Yo, monkeys, it's me, DDP, the king of Bada Binga, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion. And you, well, you, monkey, you're listening on the SNS Network. Stay tuned or you will feel Big Daddy Cool Diesel slash Kevin Nash. You're listening on the FNS Radio Network. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA. And you're listening on the FNS Radio Network. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. This is Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, Mr. Hall of Fame 2011. And you are listening on FNS Radio Network. See ya. And I wouldn't want to be here. Hey, you listen on the SNS Network, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. The world is listening. Welcome to the Open Book. Your one-stop shop for the latest news in pro wrestling, video gaming, and entertainment. With your host, the sensational sequel, Sean. What? And yes, that's his name, Ashley. Three, two, one, go. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! What is up, boys, girls, men, women, whoever is listening right now? This is your host of The Open Book, Sensational Sequel, Sensational Sean, right here with you today for another amazing episode of The Open Book. Today, we got some pretty cool things going on. First off, we're going to cover Extreme Rules. We're going to talk a little bit about that, see how we fared in our uh, fantasy booking we did last week. We're also going to talk about Raw, which I pretty much missed due to work. In the second segment, second hour, second part, whatever you want to call it, we're going to talk gaming. And I'm really going to go off on some Black Ops 2 conversations. We're going to cover the biggest news of the week, uh, especially about uh, something Xenomax Online is doing right now. Should be very interesting. For the third segment, we have a big review of a pretty major movie that's pretty much kicking off the summer's, summer blockbusters of films. We're also going to cover the summer of films uh, here on the show with whatever movies are coming out this summer to the massive public. So let's kick it off right. Let's kick it off with my co-host. His name is Ashley. 
I'm guessing that's really his name. We're not entirely sure the DNA test hasn't come back yet. We're not even sure he's a boy. He's a guy. So uh, we'll just kick it to him. What's up, Ashley? No doubt my DNA test will probably get mixed with O.J. Simpson's DNA test and it will something come out completely weird. But yes. Hello. As long as it doesn't get mixed with brass eyes, everything should be good. You won't get fired for violation test. No worries. Oh, I dare, I dare to, I dare to be get mixed with a DNA test for Skynet. Yes, no, no mixing with Skynet because then it's all little robots and we don't want to deal with that. So, first up, we're definitely going to talk some extreme rules. I mean, we we talked about it last week. We threw out some some fantasy booking on our on our parts, and I mean, I didn't get some of the stuff right. I was, I'll should have said it. I mean, I was calling for an Inferno match for the Randy Orton Kane match, but we'll cover that in a second. Um, you like the a first, pyromaniac you are. <laughs> yeah. The first match is definitely, uh, comes out was the pre-show match between Santo Morella, who was the United States champion, and The Miz. This match lasted 4 minutes and 40 seconds and was the pre-show on YouTube. Santino Morella defeated The Miz I really didn't get a chance to watch this match. Did you get this? Did you get to see it? Yeah, it was a decent little match. You know, something that you expect on the classic pre-shows from like the late nineties. It was, you know, and it kind of expected title defense. But Miz had a pretty good intro about saying, you know, twelve months ago I was in the main event of this pay-per-view, and now I'm on the pre-show. But you know what? Everybody will still be talking about me when I win the U.S. title. Obviously, he didn't, but they were still talking about him, but possibly not for the fact that, you know, he's a must-see talent, but mainly about the fact that it seemed WWE could possibly be kind of jobbing him out. But then, with the news that came in this week that Miz is going to be doing the Marine Free, it kind of makes sense that he's having a relaxed role because he's doing a movie shoot. And they don't want an injured movie star in a movie shoot, even if it is straight to DVD. Straight up right. I mean, Miz is also being used as a talent to help Santino get over. I mean, he's helping Santino in the ring a little bit, showing him how to do some stuff. And I mean, Miz is doing pretty good with Santino. I'm enjoying what he's doing, so I can't wait to see what actually comes of this movie because maybe I'll actually watch it. Who knows? So let's jump into the, the main card itself. The first match is Randy Orton versus Kane in a Falls Count Anywhere match that lasted 16 minutes and 45 seconds and went all over the freaking building. Oh, yeah. Uh, the winner turned out to be Randy Orton, who pinned Kane in the ring after an RKO onto a steel chair. So uh, what did you think of the match? Very good match. You know, when I saw... It was going to be the first match. I was kind of thinking, yeah, give, give, you know, leave the leave a match as a strong opening, and then you'll have a strong match in the middle and a strong match at the end. Because I think we only had, I think, five or six matches actually confirmed. Uh, we so, had, we we had a few. We only had a few. I think we, yeah, we only had we had six because two two of them were arguably jobber matches. And then you had the pre-show one, which we knew. Because all the rest of the card we knew, apart from the typical squash matches, which we've seen in recent weeks and months from two certain superstars. But we'll get to that. But Orton Kane, yeah, I was, I loved where it actually went. The thing I didn't get was Zack Ryder. 
you know, you're not on the pay-per-view. Just because you wanted to be on the pay-per-view, you went and randomly attacked Kane? No, we don't want to bring that storyline back. Look where it got you. An horrific bump off the stage in a wheelchair. No. He was in the match? I didn't even see him. When they went backstage, you remember that bit where they went in the corridor? Zack Ryder was watching on the TVs and Zack Ryder just randomly jumped in and then got basically taken out by game. I actually did not see him. I'll actually bring that up. When it went properly backstage. I swear at one point they were copying Stone Cold and Vince McMahon and it was going to the ladies' restroom at one point as well. I kind of wish, I was wondering if they would actually go back into the restrooms because I do remember a match going into the restrooms, not not just that match. It was I've seen multiple matches before that where it, it ended in the restroom itself, and that was kind of the curious thing. I was like, are they going to go into the restroom and actually end the match there? Oh, or- Mickey James versus Tara with Madison Rain weirdly in the male men's <laughs> toilet. That's what, what are you doing here? So notice it said Glory Hall? Well, I don't know. Not nice. <laughs> It, it is kind of interesting. I'm, I've actually got the match up on my my uh, my desktop right now, and Kanan's fighting into what is I'm guessing the green room, which is kind of interesting. They're actually all watching green the match. Room that looks surprisingly gray. Oh, okay, yeah. There's Zack Ryder standing there. He's a, he's watching, and does he? Is that MVP? Nope. That is that is Primo and Epico, hmm. who were not on this pay per view. No, they were. You just saw them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were never supposed to wrestle on the pay-per-view, but they appeared. There's a few other people, too. I wonder who these other people are. Let's see. Is that Tommy Dreamer? No. That is... Oh, man. He was uh, in a Nexus. Uh... Tyler? No, no. He was in a new Nexus with CM Punk. Ezekiel Jackson? Uh, he was never in the, the CM Punk one. Oh, McGillicuddy? Yes. McGillicuddy is standing there. That's kind of pretty funny. Don't usually see him. Sorry, just we should really around around. Hennig. Uh, yeah, whatever. The match was actually pretty good, like you said. Very all-over-the-place match. They definitely did a lot of good spots in this match, and I really liked it. I kind of wish they had some more weapon spots, but we got what we got. The bit that disturbed me was it was only the first match when Randy Horton was going for the announce table. You're right, he was. So I can only. And wonder. I was like, "What? No, not this early. This is too early." Thankfully, it got cut off, and they just went somewhere else. And but I kind of wish they had the three announce tables. Now, three announce tables are three tables set up like they used to. Where's the French announce team? <laughs> well, they used to have one for the Spanish announcers. They had one for the regular announcers, which is the ones we listen to, That's and then they had. Another table, I think it was set up more so for the producer. I was thinking as well, you know, there was... If Rick keeps seeing German commentary on this stream, where do they do the German commentary from? Where's the German commentary table, damn it? It's probably we'll sitting back, back somewhere. In a position, yeah. But anyway, yeah, overall, good match. We don't want to give it a star rating because... Uh, I'll give it a star rating. It was four stars. Okay. I would probably agree. Four, well, I'll give four out of five. I, I, I don't give stars. I give uh, somethings. Four somethings out of five. There you go. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. 
Uh, next match was a unannounced match that kind of came out of nowhere. It was a singles match. lasted 4 minutes and 17 seconds. It was Brodus Clay who came out with Hornswoggle, Cameron, and Naomi. And he faced off against Dolph Ziggler, who came out with Vicky Guerrero and Jack Swagger. Uh, this is pretty much elementary if you want to ask who won. It was Brodus Clay. What can yeah. I say of this match? Ziggler is one of the best sellers ever. Oh, yeah. Some of the stuff that Ziggler was doing was like, okay, that's overacting, but I don't care because you're clearly kind of say, you're trying to say, why the hell am I in this when less than four months ago I was in the world title match at the Royal Rumble? Well, one of my favorite parts is he is definitely a – he is going to be on the par with Shawn Michaels in the coming years. Some of the stuff he does, his cockiness – his arrogant acting, his moves, mindset alone, he's going to be on the level of Shawn Michaels. I mean, at one point, Burris Clay was outside of the ring. Jack Swagger hit him with a shoulder block. You see Dolph Ziggler jump up and lay down in the corner, just like Shawn Michaels used to do. And, I mean, that was an amazing moment. It, it, it was an okay match. I mean, two and a half stars out of five. Yeah. But, uh... Dolph One thing Ziggler. I was disappointed, though, was no Ziggler on Raw. I'm wondering if it might have been a little super, because he did overact. I well, no, I can tell you it's because he's on Superstars. Oh, uh, see, I don't watch Sorry. Well, no, but it's just, why is he might on there? things up a little bit. He's, your, he's clearly got more talent than Biff Swagger has at the minute. So why are you putting him the other way around? Because I swear Ziggler was going to be in the Beat the Clock Challenge, and he wasn't. So, screw you, WWE. Maybe they're trying to hold on to him and possibly like contain him a little bit before they actually push him too far. Because if you push At someone, this rate, they're pushing him for money in the bank. Easy. Yeah. Well, if, if Wade Barrett doesn't come back by that time, yeah, I can see that. But if Wade Barrett comes back, we, we know Wade Barrett's going to be next, the, the champion. Wade Barrett now. isn't Raw, is he? He's SmackDown. Didn't they do one... They did two. That's right. They did two. I'm sorry. Uh, we could see two. Two belts. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got... Well, we'll talk about that in the Rock segment. Never mind. I'll, I'll about jump ahead pretty far. Instead of jumping, why don't you just put your foot for a table? <sighs> yeah, we're going to... Yeah, let's talk about that now. Yeah, um, next match is Cody Rhodes facing off against Big Show. Big Show is the champion for the WWE Intercontinental Championship match, which was a tables match, which was confirmed by a spin of the wheel during the pre-show. Uh, this match lasted 20 seconds longer than the Brodus Clay <laughs> match, and that it lasted 4 minutes and 37 seconds. The winner was Cody Rhodes because Big Show was drop-kicked off the apron, and as he was going backwards, he stepped onto the table and went through it. Yeah. What? Genius. Genius. I, I don't understand that at all. I mean, it was a good setup. Cody is... They've always tried to portray Cody as overcoming the odds by any way possible. But he didn't put the table there. That's my problem with the whole thing. Cody didn't touch that table. That table was set up by the ring ring engineers as they were putting all the tables out. So my... Big should have been more careful where he was looking. My thought is... If you're going to put somebody through a table, they have to at least have had their hands on that table before 
they can be put through the table. If they don't touch the table, then that table's not in play. I really feel that if you're going to have a tables match, the person who the, the two competitors need to have their hands on tables and be moving tables around for that table to be in play. Then what about the table Cody got put through after the match finished? Big Show put it in the ring. No, the second one. Big Show put two tables in the ring. He put one against the corner, and then he put another up in the middle of the ring. No, but he threw him over the ropes, down through the table, by ringside. Okay, it was after the match, but yeah, if you're yeah, looking at that... it was after the that, match. Yeah, but if you're looking at that... Also, why so many tables? <laughs> were we expecting a Big Show buffet, and Mark Henry and Big Show were invited or something? I don't know. There was a lot of tables. There were three... There were four set up on the way to the ring. There are six, basically, and three three layers on the left and the right-hand side of the ring, and then there's three on the back side. Plus, plus technically, the announce tables as well. Do, do they really count, though? I've seen them counting tables matches for four, possibly. Well, that's in WWE 12 as well, so I don't know if that down. actually happens in real life. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, hopefully, we'll have that at some point later on. Uh, the one thing I did like was, like you said, the, the throw out of the ring through a table outside the ring. That table split a little too far, and I think Cody ended up hurting himself a little bit because the way he was moving, he was moving very gingerly. Uh, the ref was asking him, hey, how bad does it hurt? And Cody, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, That's probably why you didn't see Cody on a roll. It might be. I mean, every time – I mean, I can look at the ref. I can see Cody kind of squeezing the hand a little bit. You can see that he's hurt. So we'll have to see what comes of this. I mean, I expect another another match at some time later down the road. Yeah. As far as star ratings go, uh, three, three stars. It was a great match. I'd probably say three and a half because af- after the debacle of the finish with Cena and Sheamus – I didn't think they'd do that style of finish again, but they have, and it reflects the character of Cody Rhodes, and to be honest, Big Show probably shouldn't have been champion, but I think they just wanted to give the burden off Cody while he was recovering from his injury, so now that he's back, it seems like we can get back to full flow again. Next match has to be match of the night. Well, one of the matches of the night. What? Yeah, when you said one of the matches of the night, I retract the all. Well, I mean, there's there's two and a half, two and a half matches of the night to me. This is one of them. This is number one match of the night for me. Uh, it's basically Sheamus versus Ryan for the World Heavyweight Championship in a two out of three falls for the World Heavyweight title, where Sheamus was the champion. This match lasted 22 minutes and 55 seconds. Sheamus walks away with the title after defeating Brian, two falls to one. The first fall went on for about 15 minutes, didn't it? The first fall lasted a very long time, but we saw one of my favorite submission holds ever, which was the Texas Cloverleaf, perfected by Dean Malenko. Sheamus used it on Daniel Bryan, but Sheamus had Daniel Bryan pulled back so far that when Sheamus actually sat down, Brian's entire chest was basically flat on the canvas. And that was just amazing flexibility by Brian alone 
and great job by Seamus on getting that hold in there. So, I, I mean, think it's what, the Texas Cloverleaf when it's uh, Seamus. The Cloverleaf, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think of the match? I thought it was great, the fact that the first fall took forever, and then the fact that it did go to a DQ. Because that made sense. Because with the way that they were going, Daniel Bryan, either one of them could have got DQ'd in the moods that they were in like before the match. But then when it went, when Sheamus got knocked out and the yes lock was applied and shades of WrestleMania 13 with uh, Austin, Austin passing out. Yeah. Yeah. And Sheamus passed out from the, from the, uh, was it his kick that did it? I think it was, wasn't it? In the turnbuckle. Uh, the kicks gave, the first fall to Sheamus. No, but the, it was the kick that knocked him out. Well, he passed out. Yeah, but from, it was from a kick, wasn't it? I'm not entirely sure. I I think he more so passed out from the label lock. No, because you could see he was knocked out or, you know, out of it a bit when he got hit with the, oh, the problem. He just fell onto the floor and then Brian got on top of him and put the yes lock in. But anyway, and then the third fall... With the typical, oh, oh my god, I'm never going to recover from this, psych, and then just instantly tried to bro kick him, and then eventually they're succeeding with a bro kick. You know, good little match, continues the feud. To continue the feud, I put in inverted commas because something happened that might screw that up, but we'll get to that later. But overall, brilliant match. Shows that both guys probably shouldn't have been on the pre-show for WrestleMania 27 last year. Well, I mean, it comes to the fact that last year they weren't as big as they are this year. So, I mean, it comes to the fact that now they're showing off their skills. And like you said, something does happen that will definitely come up. I do see what you mean. Uh, Daniel Bryan uh, went for the uh, the front double drop kick in the corner after Seamus got back up, he hit it a little bit stiff. I think one foot actually did catch Seamus in the jaw. But it does look like Seamus went down hard to the canvas. I mean, he basically fell forward and what we call falling forward. So, and Seamus kind of looked like he was a little bit dazed. But I, I, this, the lock gets to me because I, if it's around the mouth, I'm okay with. But he gets it around the nose. And I feel that that's that's hurting that's hurting the face, the hurt, hurting the nose more so than anything else, because I've seen where he's put the the, the yes the label lock on and he's pulling back on the nose, and I just so every time I see that I'm like no I was like you cannot be doing that, so yeah Sean is Madden of open book he goes to the footage and looks at it again. He's even got one of those pen things that goes on the screen and marks the stuff. Unfortunately, I don't have a tablet, so I mean, if I had the smart board, I'd be doing it all. I'd be doing all everything. <laughs> I really would. He's like, look at this here. Circle this, and he goes straight up here. Goes goes for the right. He goes this way. Yes. And then we got this next match, which was a complete waste of time. Um, <laughs> but Sheamus and O'Brien, four four stars out of five. It's a definite great match. It's one of the top matches of the pay per view. I'd say four and a half. That was brilliant. Well, there you go. Uh, next match, as I just said, complete waste of time. It lasted a minute and 51 seconds. It was a two-on-one handicap match with Aaron Relic and Jay Hatton, two jobbers, 
facing Ryback. The, the sad thing was Santino and Carly were watching. Yeah. You see Carly and, Greg, uh, you see Carly and Santino backstage. They're laughing at the Adam. There's one guy what in the crowd standing everybody up. Everybody backstage wanting to watch the jobbers. Is it like hearkening back to 1980s when everybody faced jobbers? There is one guy in the uh, in the in the crowd who is basically yelling Ryback as these two guys are in the uh, in the ring. So I'm kind of, it's kind of funny. Ryback defeated him. The best of course. bit is Ryback's kit. Ryback's oh. ring attire. I was like kit. I was like, what the heck? Yeah, it, sorry, Ryback's ring attire. It's Rob Van Dam, by the way. The favorite yeah. thing is, though, is his armbands. The armbands have R's on them, and it's reminiscent of um, Nexus. So that as well, yeah. I think I actually took a leak during this match. So it's Rob Van Nexus. Yeah. The whole heffing core. Sorry, core Ray. I'm not even. This is this is like a one match, probably a point five. Sorry, I didn't care about this match. No, um, I give it a one and a half because I just love the fact that whichever one was the Finn one got beaten the crap out of and then thrown in the corner and his tag team was like, I'm not getting involved with that shit. Oh shit, I got picked up the top rope and I'm involved in the match anyway. Damn. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, why the hell are we having jobber matches on pay-per-views? Can't we just have these on Superstars? Yet alone, Raw and SmackDown. Um, next match is match of the night. It is CM Punk versus Chris Jericho for the WWE Championship in a Chicago Street fight, which went 25 minutes and 15 seconds. CM Punk was the champion going to the match. He walked out the WWE Champion. Uh, once again, this was match of the night. I, I just don't know if there's anything negative that can be said about this match. They went tooth and nail. They went all out for this match. They completely this this went back to old school matches where going back in my mind, I can think of Sergeant Slaughter facing off against Triple H in a uh, boot camp match where both men actually showed up in jeans t shirts and Chris Jericho and CM Punk came down in jeans and they came down in knee pads, but they came down in jeans, boots they pretty much came down in street clubs. Apart from Jericho, because he's got that. Is that the third iteration of the light-up jacket? I think it's the fourth, actually. <laughs> the, the red and blue lights. and I was waiting for the confetti. If he can wear whatever he wants to wear, I ain't going to say nothing against him. Oh, I, well, I, I like it. It's, it's the new iteration of Jericho. You know, Jericho debuted with a sequin shirt. Then when he re-debuted in 07, he had the sequined waistcoat. And now we're just turning up to 11 with, rather than sequins, have it light up. And we've got batteries the size of like mobile phones now that can be put into the linings of jackets and basically turn your jacket into a Christmas tree. I love that. We need more clothes like that. Well, now, if you're out late at night, because I've known this, because some of the trucks where I live, sometimes they go past at 60 because that's the speed limit when it clearly, well, 60 mile an hour, should I say. So, um, By the way, just a quick... When it's the middle of the night and you have a torch, I want light-up stuff. So if, if WWE Shop is doing that light-up jacket on sale, I'm buying one. 
just a quick sobriety test. Can you say the alphabet backwards right quick? Oh, God. That's a no. So, okay. What? Um, yeah, you failed the sobriety <laughs> test already. So, one of the cool things about this entire um, match was uh, his family sitting at ringside. Uh, his sister, his mother. I didn't see Colt. I was looking for Colt the entire time. I didn't see Colt. Now, that pissed me off. You see, so, when when Jericho went in the crowd and Punk's sister slapped him, how the hell is that interference? It's a, it's a street fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is considered interference because of the fact that someone not that is not a competitor is hitting another competitor. Well, I mean, it? it's, the, it's the same if the referee had basically smacked Punk or Jericho. Yeah. Uh, no, if you don't know what we're get, talking about. I'm just about, getting a bit angry about my picks. I don't know why I should be. I still came out in the top ten. Uh, we're talking about fourdown.org. Uh, one of their picks actually ended in interference due to the fact that Punk's sister slaps Jericho like halfway through the match. Yeah, and it's considered interference due to the fact that she did slap him. So I don't know why I'm complaining. I picked Jericho mainly because you know, that's the thing that gets me. Why the hell is Jericho there? Other than to have a feud with CM Punk. To have what seems like one of the best feuds so far this year. Yeah, but he came back proclaiming so much. And he's done practically nothing. Okay, he's had very good matches with Punk. But you'd have thought WWE might have given him a push. Well, who knows who's actually pulling the strings backstage. Is it? Is it Jericho? Is it Vince? Is it Punk? I mean... You know, considering the rumors that Lesnar's going to be champ and Brock, uh, Rock's going to be champ at some point, possibly, within the next 12 months. Yes, I mean, there's no telling what could happen <clears throat> within the next couple months due to the fact, I mean, like you just said, Rock's going to be champion. What's that mean for Jericho? What's that mean for Punk? What's that mean for everybody else? So, I mean, we'll have to see you later on. This was a five-star match, straight up. I'm giving it four and a half. I don't uh, think it was as good as the match they had at Mania. It was the technical stuff that happened at the end of that WrestleMania match, for me, made that better than this one. Even though you did have the epic spot with the macho man elbow drop to the announce table. Yeah, that was another point in the match. It's... During the match, you actually have uh, Jericho on the, the Spanish announce table. Punk goes up for a Shane McMahon-esque elbow drop from the rope, from the top, to Jericho. And I got to say, it's a pretty sick spot. It's one that I wasn't expecting to see. It's one I haven't seen in a very long time. Let's talk about the finish right quick. I mean, the finish basically came with Jericho having Punk in the walls of Jericho CM Punk's basically crawling to the ropes. Since this is a Chicago Street fight, the ropes don't matter in the, in the submission. Punk's basically outside the ring almost. Jericho's still got him in the walls of Jericho. Punk's reaching down for something to break the hold, trying to get a hold of something to pull himself out. He pulls up a fire extinguisher, and Jericho basically pulls him back to the middle of the ring. Punk starts yelling at Jericho. Jericho looks back at him right quick. And gets a face of the CO2 gas in the fire Face of foam. CO2 gas. Yeah. Um, basically, Punk can then takes the 
the fire extinguisher smashes Jericho in the gut. Uh, Jericho goes outside the ring, which basically comes to the biggest spot of the match where Punk about, almost falls off the top of the rope, top of the ring, trying for the Macho Man elbow drop through the announcer's table to hit a, the elbow drop on Jericho. Uh, he hits it. Punk is laughing at himself the entire time because of almost falling off the... the uh, up because everybody will be going, you fucked up. He's laughing at himself, though, and, I mean, the match basically goes from that into uh, a go-to-sleep-in-the-ring. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it ends pretty pretty quickly afterwards. It doesn't last too much longer. So, I mean, great match. One of my favorites. So, I am just don't really have much else to say about that. Let's jump to the match that was the, le- well, possible letdown for some people. Uh wasn't a letdown for me because I, I wasn't expecting anything different than what we got. I mean, okay, it's Nikki Bella having to defend her title against a unnamed opponent because Beth Phoenix cannot wrestle at this time. The bit was when they had that, because Nikki said, you're defending the title tonight against a mystery opponent. And apparently she said it's not karma. Yeah. Which made about 70% of the audience go, no. And I was thinking... May Young, and then I don't know why Layla. everybody's bringing up May Young all of a sudden. I don't know, but then Layla, yes, uh, Brit- basically was a single British woman that's so proud of her heritage. She keeps saying that she's billed from Miami, Florida. Uh, singles match, single women's match, divas match for the divas title. It was Layla versus Nikki Bell, who was the champion. The match lasted two minutes and forty-five seconds. And Layla walked out with the women's championship, the Divas Championship. Yeah, Layla won by printing Brie. Yes. Basically Brie was Damn fair. So um I didn't really pay much attention to this match because I didn't really care. It was basically the cooldown match from the CM Punk Chris Jericho match into the main event match. So Yeah. I'm disappointed that I'm pleased for Layla, but I'm disappointed it wasn't Karma. But I'd still have to say, on average, three stars. Because it was a good little match. Although, Nikki never got pinned. So, why she lost the title? I don't know. That shows you how much they truly care about the Divas division anymore, seemingly. Can't say much about it. I mean, I when Karma comes back, I'll start paying attention again. Oh, well. To Sean die. was away writing his Brock Lesnar t-shirt. No. So, two stars... <laughs> Like I said, I didn't really care about the match. I'll wait till Karma comes back before I start caring anymore. Main event match comes down to the Extreme Rules match. John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. The match lasted 17 minutes and 43 seconds. And in one of the most surprising moments, surprising things of the entire match, John Cena won. I mean, let's basically start this out like it's, it needs to start out. John Cena comes out, decked in the chain, puts the chain on the ring post, takes his shirt off, throws it to the fans, all that, blah, blah, blah. As soon as the bell is rung. Shoot fight. Pretty much. There's punches, there's elbows, but the big thing here is camera work was shoddy. Let's talk, I'm going to say that first off. Cena's got the blade. You can see the blade. Pulls it out of the wristband. He blades himself. In a moment where, well, let me say, let me say this first. 
there's a shot to the top of the head that Lesnar gets in that drew blood. I mean, there's a, let's see, there's elbows. He got one elbow shot to the top of the head. There was blood already coming out. Yeah, that there, was, there was a, it was a few elbow shots that he did that caused the swelling. And I think the third one, because you saw the, the impact, I think that's what made the skin cut. Yeah, that was not what we're that talking about. That was blood the hard way. That was blood the hard way. I don't think... About a minute later, the blade was the, um, the cheap ass way. I don't think <clears throat> Cena knew he was bleeding yet until he saw it on Brock's arms, because Brock's pale as, pale as a ghost. Cena was bleeding pretty heavily from Both this laser. So when Lesnar goes, when Lesnar takes him down again and he starts punching him, that's when Brock, uh, Cena basically starts gigging, starts cutting himself, and he basically starts juicing a little bit. Pretty much mm-hmm. the match was Lesnar dominating almost the entire match with parts of Cena getting in. One of the bigger, scarier moments of the entire match was Brock Lesnar goes for a clothesline to Cena, who is on the apron. As Lesnar hits the clothesline, he basically goes over the top rope, lands pretty hard on the ground outside, and appears to be injured. He holds his leg, he acts like he's hurt, and then as the ref trainers check on him, pretty much because I'm guessing Vince is yelling at them to check on him, he gets up, starts laughing, says, I'm great, I'm fine. So... I think he did it on purpose. He probably did. Because if you looked at the way he landed, he actually landed pretty fine. He, he did he land fine, but he landed yeah. hard, which is probably like it's probably an injury that's happened before that he's probably like freaking out about a little bit. But yeah, he probably he faked the whole thing probably. Yeah. But other than that, Cena ends with a attitude adjustment on the still steps. Uh, that was uh-huh. a very interesting way. And one thing to note, um, we'll actually talk about the match right quick. I'll let you talk about it, since I just completely talked about it all, the entire thing. Yeah, good little match. You know, great spots in it. The, the finish. You know, I picked Cena to win, but thinking that I'd be proved wrong. But turns out I was about 75% right because Cena won. It's just that the beatdown that I thought Cena would have never happened. <laughs> And the very ending swerved me because I should have realized that Cena would never die. Well, not die, never take time off. Basically, the entire thing was, and this caused a huge problem in the back because Lesnar flipped oh. out. Well, Lesner- no, hang on, hang on. We might need, I might need to correct you on that. Apparently, that backstage report was put out by WWE to see how receptive dirt sheets are. Apparently, Brock is happy losing as long as it's for the right reasons. Clearly, with what happened on Raw, the storyline is going a certain way because if he's only allowed a certain many dates to appear live, they've pretty much used three out of four possible Raws plus the pay-per-view. And he's only got so many Raws and pay-per-views actually in his contract. So apparently him destroying the locker room because Cena decided he wanted to talk after the match is fake? Yeah, apparently so. Apparently WWE did that to to work the IWC. Which arguably 
is what the pay-per-view was partially. You know, you had Jericho not go over. You had Cena do go over. You had Daniel Bryan ultimately fail. And then you had the Cody Road situation and the Layla situation. And then the jobber matches, which nobody cares about. So overall, I think they succeeded. That's why it's a brilliant pay-per-view. Well, it was a great pay-per-view. Uh, the, the match, Cena versus Lesnar, got a uh, four stars out of five. I mean, it was a good match. Uh, it was a good beatdown on Cena. I mean, Cena came back, showed why he is the base of the company by beating uh-huh. Brock Lesnar. I'll give it a four as well because, you know, after that match, I didn't sense much booing for Cena because I think they realized he was actually in a fight tonight. Okay, he had the Super Cena ending, but to be honest, would you prefer to see a guy that's been in the ring for 10 consecutive years nearly? Okay, he's had a few times out for a few injuries. Would you like to see him go over? Or the guy that said he was too big for wrestling and left and then came back and in his first major match go over? Yeah. So, what do you score this pay per view altogether? Out of out of ten stars, out of ten ten points, uh, one being Overall, the worst. I'd have to give it about an eight, possibly eight point five, somewhere around there. Uh, the entire pay per view, um, basically front to back, a nine. The two jobber matches. Well, let me take that back. The one jobber match, Ryback versus the two. Uh, was horrible, what should not have been on the show. The Brodus Clay-Dolph Ziggler match was an interesting match, added to Brodus Clay's repertoire of trying to get him to learn how to wrestle a longer match. was very interesting. Layla was a shock. Glad to see she's back. She added a chance to give the Divas title a little bit of legitimacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's pretty much it. They probably should have switched the Brodus Clay-Ziggler match for... Miz and Santina. Then I probably would have given the pay-per-view more. But anyway, let's talk about Raw, because I didn't get to see Raw. I was at work all day, and you were pretty much recapping for me. So why don't you start? Yes, the Beat the Clock special, but first, it's Beat Triple H up. The fact that you had the Triple H comeback, which was mentioned on the pay-per-view... And he came back and basically said, okay, the agreement that you had with Laurinaitis last week, when you said Monday Night Raw would be your show, uh-uh, not happening. So then Triple H tries to renegotiate with the original deal. Laurinaitis interrupts, and then it seems like Lesnar is the lapdog, seemingly, of Laurinaitis or whatever. And then all of a sudden... He clearly doesn't break his arm, but they do the very, very good shots to make it look like they did. Now, if, if, you, if you move an arm slightly above your shoulder kind of thing, in a position, kind of looks like a broken arm. But Yeah, we found out late on the night, it is broken. You know, Triple H is out, he's gone. Expect to see him at SummerSlam, people. But yeah, the Beat the Clock Challenge, we had five matches... Started off with Miz versus Santino, which Miz won in about four minutes, 18 seconds. Then Jericho and Big Show, which was very clever because it finished outside the ring and Jericho rolled in. And as he got to the 10, the clock stopped. 
And it turns out that basically by half a second or a second, Jericho was behind. One of the big things to me about this match, I actually did see this match, was the fact they had Jericho versus the Big Show. Jericho facing off against each other. Yeah. I, I just like the fact that it, it left that bit about what's happening. Who, who's won? Who's lost? And then after the break, it's like you know, Jericho wasn't quick enough. Because then I was instantly thinking, triple threat? If Miz and Jericho both have the same time, what happens then? But right. that never happened, apparently. But you know, in between that, you had the triple threat Divas match with Layla versus the Bellas, which basically the Bellas argued. Layla kicked one out of the ring, rolled up the other, and in about 20 seconds, Layla retained. And apparently that's what got the Bellas fired. Lame-ass way to get them fired, WWE, to be quite honest. You could have had them get themselves topless on Twitter. And by that, I mean just take a picture of, you know, them in trousers with the picture cut off, not showing their torsos and whatever. Anyway. Then we have Brodus versus JTG, which was went on for about a minute, which Brodus won, which yeah. now makes me think that JTG's getting fired on Friday. I will say JTG is still with the company, yes. <clears throat> no, but if the Bellas are gone, I'm just thinking JTG might stand for JT gone soon. It seems to be that kind of trend. Then we had Orton and Swagger and beat the clock, which Orton won with about two seconds to spare, so 4.16 was the new time. Then we had new tag team champions. Little Jimmy Boom Boom taking the titles from Primo and Epica. Did you just call them little Jimmy Boom Boom, really? Oh, yeah, it's like Chitty Bang Bang. No, you, no. That is not what we are calling we can, Technically, we can call them Flight 420, because our truth has been done for drugs. No, that was Evan Bourne, though. Evan Bourne had that plane intro, so you can't call him Flight 420. We're not calling so, him little Jimmy Boom Boom. It's not happening. We'll come up with another name for him later on. But little Jimmy Boom Boom ain't happening. But I digress. Jimmy's, Jamaican Jimmy's. Oh no, I'm not good at this. Man. And there was a there was a weird bit with Abraham Washington basically trying to discuss a deal with Primo and Epico, which they just randomly cut off because they thought it was more important to have a beat the clock match between Great Carly and Kane. I'm sure both of these are going to beat the clock. Typically, they didn't. And also, I don't know why Great Carly was wearing blue. Those were the weirdest trunks. I've ever seen. What, did his black pair get thrown away or something? That's just or his red pair, whatever. That's just wrong. Maybe they're trying different colors on him. And then Daniel Bryan was revealed to be in the final one. I was thinking Ziggler. This is going to be Ziggler's chance. And then it's Jerry the King Lawler, which you know I'm pleased to see. But then you instantly thought Bryan's going over. I wouldn't have m- minded if Bryan went over with. Like an established talent like Ziggler rather than somebody who's arguably in the twilight of their career in Lawler. Lawler did give him a bit of a run. I mean, I did see that. He gave him... Yeah. I mean, Lawler is still one of those guys who can go. No matter what, he still got it. He can go for it no matter what. Yeah. Within two minutes, two minutes, 21 seconds, because I worked it out because there was 155 left on the clock. Good me and my math. Uh, Brian put on the yes lock. Lawler immediately tapped. 
and t- WWE Over the Limit might as well now be called Ring of Honor. Uh, not really. Nam is going to go apeshit. I can tell you that. you got to find Nam first, but well, that's no, another topic for another time. It's, it's a match which is probably just going to be as classic as Jericho and Punk. It's going to be the fact that Brian and CM Punk have only faced each other twice since, and those matches were both in Ring of Honor in about two thousand five, two thousand four. Well, the report that came out that said that Brian wanted to face Punk at WrestleMania. This is probably Vince giving them a test run to see if they feel that it would be a good a good shot and. I'm guessing Vince is basically going to say, okay, you know what? Y'all are going to go at WrestleMania next year. Here's your... The question uh, is, is this where they're going to make somehow the title switch brands, possibly? Uh, possibly is, because Daniel Bryan is SmackDown. Punk is Raw. So this could be their way of basically trying out a title switch, have Sheamus lose the title to someone from Raw, do a bits of a title change, see how it works, and then switch it all completely and have a undisputed championship. Well, actually, if you look at Raw, how many heels are there which are established talents? Miz, which they clearly aren't pushing at the minute. Ziggler, which they're clearly waiting on to push again. And that's pretty much it. I don't think Swagger's... I think the way the, when Swagger got the title, that was way too soon. So, was that Raw? Uh, it, the, the, well, no, the swerve came at the end with Laurinaitis. Okay. Oh, yes, 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 that's right. Yeah, Cena's there, you know, saying, oh, I thought I wasn't going to be here, but look, I'm here. Yeah, technically, I'm not injured, so I can wrestle. I'm only hurt. Ah, will he ever get a rest? <laughs> that guy deserves a lot of rest. The best bit was when Cena said, oh, I know what you're here for. Your opponent, due to the fact that No Holds Barred is being re-released on DVD, my opponent is going to be Zeus. And then he was doing, like, Laurinaitis impressions better than CM Punk was six months ago, which is saying something. And then Tensai comes out, and we're thinking, like, Tensai is facing Cena again. And then Laurinaitis attacks him from behind, clearly taking a leaf out of Brock Lesnar's book. And it turns out John Cena's opponent is John Laurinaitis. I really think the board is going to step in on this one and say, you attacked a, a wrestler, you attacked a member of the roster, you are now, your your position has been taken away as general manager of both Raw and SmackDown. What, what I can see is this is WWE trying to redo Austin McMahon. It probably is, but the fact that... It ain't going to work. No, because they've already basically shown that you can't have someone in power and wrestling at the same time. Because they tried that with Triple H, it failed. So, he was Triple H was basically told to... He, Say he had that to, to Jeff Jarrett. Uh, no one cares about <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. Good old Jeff. I, oh, wow. I, I, I own TNA. Who's going to be champion? Um, so, that was Raw. A very interesting Raw, to say the least. Uh, you got Punk versus Brian and Laurinaitis versus Cena at Over the Limit, which is in North Carolina, my home state. Am I going to be Two at it? Weeks. No. Two weeks. Yep. 
two weeks. Uh, no, I won't be there, unfortunately, because uh, I yes. work full-time jobs. Yes. So uh, one of our listeners, ZM, ZMG Zeus, will be there. Uh, Zach Gent, I believe his last name is. Uh, if I got it wrong, brother, I'm sorry. Gent, Gent, I don't know how it's pronounced. But uh, he'll be there. He, he will definitely let us know how The thing that me is why is Raw coming from North Carolina next week? I don't know. Because they're in Greensboro this Monday for Raw coming up. And in less than two weeks, they're going back for the pay-per-view. Wouldn't it have made sense to do them like back-to-back or something? Rather than, right, we're going here, and we're going, I don't know where the Raw is the following week, and then we're going back. Well, Charlotte is two hours away from Raleigh, or from Greensboro. Raleigh. Are they in Raleigh or are they in Charlotte for Over the Limit? Over the Limit's Raleigh. Raleigh, so Greensboro is about two and a half hours from from Raleigh. Uh, what they can, what they're probably doing is they're going to either Virginia, South Carolina, or Tennessee. They're they're going to choose the closest city to Raleigh, so so the people don't have to travel that far, and they're going to get there, and that's pretty much it going to be it. I know they're doing a Mexican tour as well. I saw a story that apparently the Mexican Spanish commentary was saying Sin Cara is coming back for the Mexican tour, which is late May. So I'm wondering whether they're going to be having a double taping of Raw, possibly the night after Over the Limit. Because they have done in previous times, apart from that time in October when they actually did the taping for Mexico. It's a complete possibility. But anyway, I think that's all the wrestling news for the week. Okay, so we'll be back here in a second with the gaming segment, and we'll see you guys in a minute. for wrestling radio that entertains and informs? Then make sure you tune in every Monday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern for the four-time People's Choice Show of the Year, Wrestling News Live, with the Trey Dog and J.J. Sexay, where anything can and usually does happen, exclusively on the SNS Radio Network, www.snsradionetwork.com. See you in chat. Standing ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled to take you back in time. Host, ring announcer Sean Beckerman brings you pro wrestling nostalgia featuring classic moments and old school themes. So buckle up and go beyond the bell each and every week on the SNS Radio Network, it's go time! 
You know, in the world of pro wrestling radio, there's always someone out there who will always try to get under your skin. I want to really drive Andy to the point where he wants to choke me out. Because I'm going to drive him right off the edge of the cliff. They'll always try, but in the end, it always comes down to the truth. That moment when uh, Silent Rage blows the gasket, this match is over. You know, I'm really just a nice guy at heart. But... Don't piss me off, okay? I mean, come on. The truth is going to hurt someone. Catch your weekly search for the truth right here on the Pro Wrestling Rewind every Wednesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, exclusively on the SNS Radio Network. Hey guys, it's Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps sexay of the SNS Radio Network. If you're looking for the latest news in professional wrestling and, of course, some of the best columns on the World Wide Web today, visit headlocks2headlines.com. That's headlocks, the number two, headlines.com. It's the official news site of the SNS Radio Network. You should make it your official news site as well. Once again, www.headlocks2headlines.com. segment i do believe you were just listening to a little mortal combat to bring in the gaming segment uh if you don't recognize that that is the original intro for the movies it is actually the original theme from mortal combat and the reason why we did play that is because i will be giving you a quick review on mortal combat for the vita uh at the end of the segment so stay tuned for that it's going to be a very interesting conversation but we're going to talk a little gaming right now and I'm going to throw it over to Ashley first because I know he's got some stories he wants to talk about because I've got a few stories plus some Black Ops conversations and a little bit of a rant. So go for it, Ashley. Uh, we'll jump into the figures apparently for the hardware and software sales for the year so far. Certainly in Europe, PS3 is apparently outselling everything, but 360 is still top in America and 3DS is top in Japan. Game-wise, thanks to Nintendo, we know that Mass Effect 3 is leading software sales both in the UK and America, which makes sense because it's arguably the biggest game of the year so far. Okay, we're only three months in, but... This one disturbs me. Apparently, we're getting a purple 3DS. Yes, Midnight Purple is what it's being called. It seems to be 
Nintendo have been possessed by either Grimace or Barney the Dinosaur or something. I don't know. It just odd. I'm just leaving it there. Apparently, places are selling it. I swear, sometimes they think they designed this for the people that did Saints Row the Third. I don't know. Uh, we also had news this week that Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformers on its way, which seems to be in the same vein as Mario Kart, except it's trying to boast that it's better than Mario Kart in saying that when you go into the sea and in the air, a la Mario Kart 7, it will feel unique and not like Mario Kart. Which is a nice little dig, considering how Nintendo and Sega are the best of friends. Oh, wait. Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. This is one that I'm really happy with, if it is true. Square Enix are teasing a new Kingdom Hearts announcement, which I secretly hope is Kingdom Hearts 3. Because the first two games, absolutely brilliant for PS2. I don't think they've, have they been put on PSN yet or anything, Sean? No, as far as I know, no. But I could be wrong. I know there's like, I know there's DS games and everything. There's DS, there's PSP games. As far as I know, they're not on PSN, but like I said, I could be wrong. Okay. If it is Kingdom Hearts 3 and it does get revealed at E3, that would be cool. Speaking of, Nintendo have pretty much said there's going to be no price reveal. I think this possibly was mentioned last week, but it officially got announced this week by Satoru Iwata going crazy or something, probably. He was also complaining about how the UK don't like Mario anymore, apparently. Despite the fact that I think one of the best-selling games of last year was Mario for the 3DS. So I don't know what pipe he's smoking. Speaking of that, if you've got a 360... Speaking of of E3, should I say, if you've got a 360, you can watch the Microsoft press conference from E3, apparently, on it, which seems to be a smart move, considering how they're trying to take over the world, like Skynet, Acer. And the final bit of news from... Microsoft is apparently they've secured the patent, but this is obviously a patent which might produce something in the near future, because it took a few years for Connect once they patented it to work off. There's apparently some wrist strap thing that basically will mean your arm will be like the one from Deus Ex or Raiden's arm from Metal Gear Solid Rising, or whatever they're calling it, Revengeance. We're getting closer to you won't have to do anything. You'll just be sat in a chair and everything will do everything for you. Which could be exciting. Could be boring as well. Next story, Deus Ex is going to be coming out to digital consoles. Very good. Especially because I think there will be a market for it because I don't know how many people actually played the original one. I'm certainly looking forward to that one. Now, this is one that I want to get Sean's thoughts on. Apparently, Microsoft is possibly going to be doing a special, like, part exchange deal on a 360. What it is, rather than spending, how much are 360s now? About $300? Uh, 250 300 yeah. I mean, somewhere 250. around there. And then probably the best gold membership things you do for, like, two years? Uh, you can buy a dollars. year subscription of, for $60. So about one twenty. So yeah, that's about four twenty ish. 
what it is, Microsoft, for apparently those who don't have the cash direct, so you put the $99 down for your 360, and then you then have to, for $15 a month, you get the console connect and a gold account, but that's for a two-year deal. So do you think that works out, Sean? I don't see people actually completely doing this. I mean, I don't know how they're actually coming out with this console itself. I don't know if they're actually going to be bringing it out to GameStops, if they're going to be selling it only through Microsoft, or if they're actually going to be taking it to major companies and basically like saying, hey, uh, instead of buying their consoles, so buy ours so you can actually pay us more money. Um, there's no word on this yet, but me and Brassi, and I think we were talking about this in old prep, uh, there's layaway people. Walmart, Kmart, Sears, every place still has layaway. I mean, come on. It's uh, 250 for a 250 gig system. You can buy it. You can buy it used from GameStop, $250 also. I mean, it's completely worth the money, but don't go spend $15 a month just to get gold because you, you can pay gold. I think, like I said, your subscription to gold is 60 bucks. Buy it for a year. Buy three years in advance. You don't have to worry about it for a while. Uh, I mean, it comes comes out pretty expensive, so I don't think it's more fruitful, but for some families, it might be. And also, why would you want to connect? Because I don't think there's enough games that are using it at the minute. Uh, there's a lot of games that are using Kinect. Uh, right now, one of the biggest selling games out there is Star Wars Connect. So, I mean, you would, you want that. For the little kids, you've got Connectables. You've got Connect Adventures that comes with the Connect. You've got Connect Sports. If you're an exercise guru, exercise junkie, you can yeah. play Your Shape Fitness Evolved 2012. I mean, there's a lot of games out there right now for the Connect alone. Yeah, reflecting on it, um, I've just got nasty visions of Hulk Hogan's main event, and God, don't worry, it's a horrible, horrible game <laughs> and stuff. And then there was that story this week. Apparently, they're doing a basketball game. The same developers. Yeah. I, I don't know how much a, a basketball sixty dollars. No. Okay, so the, the game isn't worth it even just for the free basketball. No. So anyway, that's on that light note of basketballs, it's my segment, or my part of the segment done. Sean, I'll hand it over to you. Okay. Let's start off a little bit with one of my favorite real-time strategy games out there was, was, was a World War II cover game. It was basically called Company of Heroes. It, it allowed you the chance to build many things from real World War II units. It was a really fun game. I really liked it. It was a great real-time strategy game. If you get a chance to play it, go play it. But the sequel, which has been in talks for a long time, has finally been confirmed by a PC gamer cover. And I'll hopefully be getting this one here soon. But Game Informer has also got in touch with publisher THQ, who is currently in the toilet, I believe. So hopefully this game will come out early enough where they'll actually get some money from it because they really need some money. The game is set to come out in 2013 and will prominently feature the eastern front of World War II, which means you'll be controlling the Russians, which I am looking very forward to because in the upcoming of Heroes 1, you controlled mostly British and U.S. forces. This time you'll actually get to control the Russians and see their side story. Ashley, I know you said you want to make a comment on this one, uh, but here it goes. Valve is not planning any product announcements for E3 2012, but will, will be attending. 
I know you want to say something, so let me let me say this statement right quick, and we'll go for it. We have no product announcement planned for this year's show, confirming a reported email exchange between ValveTime.net forum member and Valve software head Gabe Newell. He, we are not announcing anything at E3, really. We are not we are not announcing Half-Life 3 or Portal 3 or Left 4 Dead 3. We are going to show stuff everyone already knows about. Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Dota 2, 10-inch UI, which is Steam's big picture mode. You wanted to say something about that, so it's now, all yours. Now that the way that you've said it, it certainly seems like the Half-Life thing that I was thinking. Because the, the headline that I saw is it just said the studio will be showing stuff everybody already knows. The thing is, I never clicked on it, so the fact that it actually mentions... No Portal 3, no Left 4 Dead 3, no Half-Life 3. That kind of totally throws it out. So, But it would be good if it was, but sadly not. If they come out and basically screw everyone over by announcing Half-Life Episode 3, I will pretty much tell Gabe Newell he can have all the money he wants from me <laughs> because I want that game now. But I digress. But Sorry, but we've seen that happen before, though, from Gabe. He said... Was it two years ago? We're going to have nothing. We're not going to be at E3. And then all of a sudden he turned up on the Sony stage because Portal 2 was going to be getting cloud stuff. Yeah, so I mean, Gabe, Gabe screws us over constantly. There's, there's no questions on that. So I mean, we'll have to see E3. I completely forgot what's next month. So we'll have to see what Gabe does say when they show up. I mean, I've got a feeling they'll show up to Microsoft's conference this year instead of Sony's and possibly say, hey, guess what? We're here. Just thought everyone liked to know that. Scare everybody if they turned up at Nintendo's. If they show up at Nintendo's, then everything I live and live and breathe for has basically been destroyed. <laughs> Good old Wii U. Anyway. Next story I have is basically something that I've talked about with a few of my co-workers at my, my second job. The fact that they have announced a new DLC pack for Skyrim. Uh, this pack is called Dawn Guard. There's really no more information other than that. It's called Dawn Guard, and that's it. It's supposed to be coming out this summer, and more info will be announced at E3. That's all I have on that story alone. That's kind of weird. Another story, basically, to tie into Skyrim is that the Elder Scrolls Online has been announced. Zenimax. Online Studios has announced that Elder Scrolls Online will be available in 2013 for Mac and PC users. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Online will allow players to quest across the entire continent of Tamriel a thousand years before the events of Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Let me see if I can find a little bit more information. Uh, not many specifics are available yet on the factions you can play in the game. There will be PvP combats. Uh, no plot is completely known, but players will vie for control of the throne of the Emperor and Cyrodiil. The main enemy will be Daedric Prince called Molag Bal, who is attempting to transport all of Tamriel into a demonic realm. Yes, so this is looking like it's going to take all my money and keep it. Will it have Macho Man Dragons? I hope not. <laughs> That's one thing. No, no offense to the brother Macho Man, but... We don't need any dragons in uh in the game. We don't need any Macho Man dragons in the game. 
now we're going to cover the big stories. The big stories of the week is the announcement of Black Ops 2. First story I have is Amazon announces that Black Ops 2 day one pre-orders are higher than Black Ops 1 and Modern Warfare 3. Trying to find some numbers right quick so I can actually say this. I know that Black Ops 2 is outselling Black Ops 1 by 3 to 1 on first day announcement pre-orders. And Black Ops 2 is outselling Modern Warfare 3 by 30%. So, I mean, it's pretty big numbers. They're hoping to look at the Modern Warfare 3 numbers that went to, gro- that went to gross $775 million globally in five days. They're hoping to surpass that by it with Black Ops 2, which would be an amazing feat by Treyarch and Activision as Modern Warfare 3 was a pretty huge game for them. Next story that goes along with this is the pre-order Black Ops 2 at GameStop. You receive an exclusive poster, a prestige token for Modern Warfare 3, plus you enter a promo code, you get involved in the next three waves of pre-order bonus stuff. No telling what this is, but they they haven't actually announced all this yet, but there will be three more waves of pre-order bonus, and I think one's supposed to come out in July, the next is September, and then the last one is in October, a month before the game is set to come out. By the way, if you didn't know this, the game is set to drop on November 13th, 2012. Now, this is the big one. I have in front of me breakdown of every single clip in the trailer, which has been released. If this ad on my right-hand side would close out. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Basically, what happens is if you played Black Ops 1, you know pretty much all the entire cast. The game, Black Ops 2, takes place between 1980, that's one set of years that it takes place, and then it also sets in the year 2025. The trailer starts out with Sergeant Frank Woods, who returns after surviving a fatal explosion in Black Ops 1. Spoilers. In 2025, players will take a role of David Mason, the son of Alex Mason, who is also involved in Black Ops 1 and who also will be in Black Ops 2. In the 1980s, there is a mission that is going to be set in Afghanistan. Players will basically take the career of Alex Mason, and apparently you will be riding horses at some point in the 1980s in Afghanistan. And how did they get this? animation they mo-capped a real actual horse galloping running basically enjoying its freedom for at least 20 minutes uh next screen basically shows them using full scan technology uh which is actually being used by a sniper scope in 2025 the sniper scope will allow players to see through walls and also fire through objects the next couple screens actually show some of the technology being available in Black Ops 2, which are the quadrotor drones with SMGs on them. Another quadrotor drone, which is actually available to you in Strike Force missions. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. We see a shot of a wristband, or what's called an armband tactical overlay, which basically has the mission laid out on his arm. Uh, we see what's called a claw, which is cognitive land assault weapon, which is basically like a four-legged walker. I'll just say it like that. It looks pretty sweet. The next picture then shows the big thing. It shows Los Angeles, a city basically on the edge of destruction. 
now. This is where everything, well, a lot of the gameplay in the single-player mission for 2025 will be at, is in Los Angeles. The major antagonist for the entire Black Ops 2 is going to be Raul Mendez. You'll actually see how he comes to be basically the villain he is from 1980 all the way up to 2025. And you'll see basically his entire psychology all the way through. The one of the bigger things is in Black Ops 2, you will have control of players on foot. You'll go through on vehicles. And then you'll also take to the sky in some jet warfare, which is pretty awesome looking. Next couple of shots actually show off the drones, the robotic drones. And, I mean, the, basically the trailer ends with a explosion on a ship, which is actually part of the Strike Force missions. Now, what the Strike Force missions is, is basically a kind of like a strategy. It's going to be involved in the single player alone, but it's a separate candidate. It's kind of like Spec Ops. If you remember what Spec Ops are, Spec Ops was a Modern Warfare 3. It allowed you to do some extra missions, some survival missions. Strike Force will basically be where you will go out, you have to destroy a target within a certain amount of time, and as you destroy the target, you either help out Raul Mendez, or you will basically hinder his operations. You will have control of foot, foot soldiers, or whichever drones, the quad, the quad rotors, uh, helicopters, stuff like that. Or you can take over what's called the Overwatch position and basically control everything from above the combat zone in a real-time strategy-esque view. That's actually looking pretty sweet. Make sure I got all my stories in correct place. Sorry, guys. Just trying to verify everything right quick. Looks like I've gotten pretty much everything. Uh, one of the cooler things is is that this game will have branching storylines, branching missions, choices that will pretty much make or break the game itself. Uh, if you get, go to one path, you will probably die. Uh, the funny thing is, the game director, Dave Anthony, basically asked the press release room, remember those choose your own adventure games or books? That's sort of the idea we have here. So you choose the wrong path, you die. That's a pretty funny moment coming from uh, the fact that Black Ops is seeming like a pretty awesome game. Now, the bigger question you're probably asking is, this game is from Treyarch. Aren't they missing something with all of this preview stuff? The answer is yes. But the answer lies in the fact that it's the poster you get from GameStop that tells you a lot. The poster on the front basically shows you a man holding a, a gun and a knife. But the backside of the poster is a two-sheet poster. The backside shows a female standing with what looks to be a Winchester rifle or the Olympia shotgun. And she's standing and she's holding, I believe, a skull. Now, this could mean a few things. This could mean that there's a female involved in the main storyline, or this could mean exactly what it's supposed to mean. Zombies. This is one of the bigger things that a lot of people have been asking. What about zombies? And I believe, Ashley, you told me a story about this earlier in, the, in our prep time, uh, about that the Resurrection pack sold so well, they were looking at doing something with that? Yeah, with the fact that it did wonders and the fact that people were seemed to be liking the map that was on the moon and the map, which was like a B-movie with all the horror stars... You know, uh, Robert England, Freddy, you know, as Freddy Krueger, 
well, you'll know him as Freddy Krueger, and George Romero, I think, was in it, and Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Danny Trejo. Basically, it was a horror genius. And then there was the other one as well, which was supposed to be like... Uh, JFK, Richard Nixon, yeah. uh, the state, somebody at the state, and Fidel Castro. Yeah, all teaming up to take on. Yeah, certainly different, but, you know, if it did well. The one thing I am pleased about, women are finally back in the game. It's going to be very interesting to see what's actually with this poster, because if the poster actually shows off that there is a zombie, uh, there's a female as the zombie's leader, then great. But if not, then they've kind of screwed people over by showing off this one one chick, who's pretty hot in the picture, yes. But they showing her off, and she's pretty involved. She's pretty much not involved in the game. That would well, screw up a lot of people. She might be the head of because the, they could have a complete separate zombie storyline. Possibly uh, with her. Complete, which complete you, possibility. Which would be refreshing, considering the fact that I don't think we've seen a female character since Call of Duty One. Would know then. Call of Duty Finest Hour certainly on the PS2. One of the characters you played was a Russian sniper girl hmm. in part of a level. I remember, I remember you go, you start off with the Russians on the Stalingrad invasion and you stop the Germans. And then it goes from this soldier that gets killed off to suddenly moves over to this female sniper. And it's like, I'm playing a war game with a female. And when you look at the previous Call of Duty game since... I don't think there's been any female characters. Majorly. I don't think there has. I don't actually remember there being any. Taking a look at a list right quick, uh, getting away from the, the Black Ops talk, uh, it's basically IGN has up their E3 2012, the big games list. Uh, look at this list right quick. Bohemia Interactive is going to be there with Arma 3. Capcom is going to be there with Resident Evil 6, Lost Planet 3, DMC, uh, some more Street Fighter versus Cross Tekken on the Vita. Uh, Namco will be there with Star Trek The Game. Sorry, Mun Wipe and Bulky. <laughs> Had to bring it up. Dark Souls prepared to edition for the PC, which is big announcement. Dragon Ball Z for the Kinect, which I'm very scared of. Nintendo is going to be there with Pikmin 3 and Super Mario Wii U. Square Enix is set to be there with Hitman Absolution. Tomb Raider, which I am waiting to see a lot more information about. Sleeping Dogs, uh, Kingdom's Heart 3D, Dream Drop Distance, Tecmo Koei is set to be there with Dead or Alive 5, THQ is set to be there with Darksiders 2 and Metro Last Light. Uh, hopefully they'll still be around by this time. Yeah. Tryon is set to be there with Defiance, End of Nations, Rift, and Ubisoft is set to be there with what I'm looking at to be possibly one of the good games this year, Far Cry 3. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a pretty nice list so far, but, I mean, it's I think you told me it was four weeks out, uh, June 5th through June 7th. Fourth. Fourth well, is when... Starts. Fourth and fifth. Fourth is the press conferences. The actual thing starts on the fifth with Nintendo. They try and do the press conferences before the show floor opens and people can actually go on the games. Yeah, so I mean it's it's coming up pretty soon. I mean we got we got some pretty big games dropping before then. We got Diablo three, we've got Game of Thrones, we've got Max Payne all dropping on fifteenth. 
We've got the 22nd, which is Ghost Recon. So, I mean, we've got some major games dropping here in the next few weeks. So, it's going to be great. But one game that dropped this past week that I want to talk about right quick is Mortal Kombat for the Vita. Now, if you haven't played the newest iteration of Mortal Kombat, you are missing out completely. They basically dropped the newest, uh, a new version of the game called Mortal Kombat The Combat Collection, which includes all DLC that came out for the game. It includes Freddy Krueger. It includes, it includes all DLC characters that were available, plus all of the skins, costumes that were, that were released. The Vita version contains all of this, plus it includes Kratos, which was a PS3 exclusive only. The game also also includes a bonus challenge ladder map, which will involve a few of the things that uh, the Vita is best known for. The front touch screen where you can basically play a mini game called Test Your Slice, where you got to slice fruit but miss the grenade. Uh, there's other games where basically you got you got to juggle Scorpion in the air by uh, hitting him with rockets as he uh, goes by. You have to keep them up in the air for as long as you can. There's another one where you can do a test your balance, and you have to balance the Vita. You use the Vita as your testing, as your balancing board, basically. And if you go one way or the other too fast, you'll actually knock your character off into a uh, spike pit. I mean, this whole new thing is pretty awesome. You can actually use the touchscreen to do your fatalities, which is oh. pretty crazy. They'll actually show you how to do it using touchscreens and the special challenge ladder. They'll actually show you how to do that. I mean, the game gameplay is pretty much the same as it is on 360 and the PS3. You're playing the game. You, the story mode is the same. You just get access to new characters. You get access to the touchscreen stuff, the whole um, movement of the Vita itself. The game is pretty awesome. If you have a Vita, you need to pick it up. It's one of those games that you need to get. So that's all the news I have. Uh, Ashley, is there anything you want to add before we jump into the next break? One thing I'll quickly add is, for those of you who are interested, another big game is actually coming out this Tuesday in the shape of Minecraft for the 360. That's right. Minecraft does drop for the 360. It's going to be about uh, 1,500 points, I believe. So be it tad expensive, but I mean, if you uh, if you haven't played Minecraft yet, it's completely worth it to pick it up. Uh, if you have played Minecraft and you own a 360, just go ahead and pick it up either way. It's completely worth it. I'll be picking it up. It would be interesting how it transfers over to console controls. Yeah, I, one of the reasons why I definitely am going to pick it up, and I'm kind of wondering what Kinect features they actually have since, it, since they did say it would be able to feature the Kinect. That was it for the gaming segment. We'll catch you guys here in a few minutes in the... Uh, in a movie segment, so uh, take a listen to this. We'll be right back.
former hosts of the popular Causecast radio show, the phenom Charles Shane, and Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sixa, reunited on Friday nights to cover WWE SmackDown, the latest news in the world of professional wrestling, the world of gaming, and entertainment. If you tune in on Friday nights, starting at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, on the SNS Radio Network, located at www.snsradionetwork.com. Perhaps you can listen to the U-Team on the new Unplug. The band is back together! Thursday, the SNS Radio Network gets in the ring and starts running the ropes. When I watch, I, okay, I, wa- I caught SmackDown again. I caught, she- I skipped Sheffield's gimmick, and I couldn't help but to think that his new gimmick sounds like an Arby's uh, roast beef sandwich. Join Brian Maverick Bertrand and Chris Kelly from HeadlocksHeadlines.com as they talk about every random thing going on within the WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, and the NorCal Independency. Running the Ropes also features interviews with stars from the past. It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog Jesse James. Present. What's going on, this is Kazarian. And this is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. And future. Hey guys, it's Dream of Fatigue. And so much more. So join the guys every week on Running the Ropes right here on the SNS Radio Network. Hey, wrestling fans. Do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun.
up guys and gals welcome back to the open book where you're basically catching us during the entertainment movies tv show whatever we want to talk about pretty much during this segment you just caught a, a pretty much a, a full glimpse or full listen to the avengers theme or as they say in uh the uk the avengers assemble so i mean we, we're gonna cover a few news stories and i'm gonna actually start it off once again and then i'm gonna jump in and we have a review for you Plus, we're going to cover some of the biggest movies of 2012 summer blockbusters. So, go ahead with it, Ashley. Um, we'll start off with a worrying story with the fact that they're remaking Carrie with apparently Chloe Moretz, Chloe Grace Moretz, taking the part of the title character. Chloe, you remember as being Hit Girl from Kick Ass and. She's also going to be appearing in Dark Shadows, the Tim Burton movie, which is coming out in a week or so. I'm not sure whether we need this, because the original Carrie was a classic enough movie as it was. So, you know, what, what is this craze with Hollywood doing remakes? Speaking of, apparently there's going to be a reinterpretation or a reimagining of Daredevil. There's been a script done by David Scarper, who also wrote the screenplay for Daily Earth and Still, and also Brad Caleb Kane, who did work, who, his script for Brooklyn's Finest. Now it seems to be that David James Kelly will be drafting a script, which is apparently going to be based off the Frank Miller saga, Born Again, which was done in 86, which sees Daredevil basically outed by his former secretary, Karen Page. She's fallen on hard times and basically gives the info about Deb just to get a shot of heroin. So this is going to be a 12A for the people over here in the UK. Really kid-friendly. The fact it contains heroin. And then Kingpin finds out and that's how the storyline for the comic book series goes anyway and it should be adapted. Apparently... The only thing he's really done is the edited on a film called Sunshine Cleaning, which was actually a nice little film about two teenage friends that were basically doing house cleanups. Or I, I don't know if it was for people that had died or they were doing some like forensic stuff. I don't know, but it was a decent little film, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Another name that's also been linked to the reboot is the producer of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I think was a really good film. Underrated film from last year, mainly for Andy Serkis' The Monkey. But anyway, we'll see what goes on with that. You know, don't get your hopes up on Daredevil. Nothing will probably happen with it. Next story is that Brad Bird, uh, who did Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, which just came out on DVD over here, in the UK. I think it's been out for a few weeks in America. He was supposed to be working on 1906, which was an earthquake drama based on the San Francisco earthquake of that year. But instead, he's switching his date and switching companies. He's going to be working with Disney for their big sci-fi thing, 1952, which we don't know anything about. Mainly because it's written by the co-screenwriter for Prometheus and the Star Trek sequel, Star Trek 2, 
Star Trek 12, whatever you want to call it. No doubt, Walkie and my wife are already lambasting me for saying one of them wrong. I apologise. But all we can say about it is it's a sci-fi film. It's got as much secrecy as Great and Cloverfield had. You're not going to find anything about it until it comes out, which is interesting, but considering Brad Bird is at the helm, should be an entertaining little watch. The first shots have also come out this week, thanks to some well, screen stills of the Lizard, or Lizard Man, whatever you want to call him, from the Amazing Spider-Man film. And it looks very interesting. Because I don't think we've seen him in the trailers yet, I've, I believe. So, certainly it looks like... The shot here certainly looks like it's Jurassic Park meets Spider-Man. It's that good of a lizard claw. But that's coming out, I think, sometime. It's end of June, I think. We'll probably talk about it when we get to our summer blockbuster craziness later on. And we've also got the news that Steve Coogan has signed up to voice one of the characters in the upcoming sequel to Despicable Me, which I won't call Despicable Me 2 because I've already referenced it. Oh, wait, I've already said Despicable Me 2. Main bits of the story that I want to cover is Avengers, or Avengers Assemble, or whatever it's called in some other country in the world. It kicked ass, mainly due to the fact that $75 million, of which about $25 million was in the UK alone over four days, which is pretty amazing considering the fact that I think the last Harry Potter film in its first few days only took about £11 million, which would probably be about $20 million-ish, or around just under $20 million, and I think Batman took around the same. So if that's the case, clearly the blockbuster season, after seeing a few years of struggle over here and figures being down, it looks like if, there's an, if the right films are out, people are going to want to see them. Speaking of that, a very interesting story regarding one of the characters from the Avengers, and that's Hulk. Mark Ruffalo, who plays Hulk, has apparently signed for a six-movie deal, which seems very interesting, and Sean and me were discussing this pre-recording, and yeah, Sean, do you want to go through the six that you think it possibly is? Uh, what you're possibly looking at is, I mean, of course he's going to do Avengers 2 and 3. I mean, if he doesn't, then they pretty much screwed him, screwed over pretty big by not having a Hulk in Avengers 2 and 3. So you're looking at two films right there. You're going to get his own film and a sequel. That's four films total. I see Hulk doing an Iron Man something in Iron Man so that Iron Man brings out mm. the the Hulk buster suit at some point. So there's five. With the fact that knowing Hulk the way I do, we could possibly see the chance at a World War Hulk or the possibility of Hulk versus the X-Men or Wolverine which would be very interesting, but that's more so animation than anything else. If I'm going to call for a legit, legitimate film, I'm going to call the Avengers versus Hulk. Pretty much, they go against him. But, the I mean, that's what with, I see. 
Yeah, the problem with the X-Men stuff is obviously X-Men is 20th Century Fox, isn't it? But it's still Marvel. Yeah, but the question is, can Disney and 20th Century Fox agree? They, they, they could. <clears throat> it's the money that's more so anything else. Because the Avengers films aren't Marvel Studios. They're obviously licensed by Marvel because they contain Marvel characters, but I don't think they're Marvel Studios films. Right. But if the, you know, the word is that there's going to be certain other film, oh, I can't remember. There was, I think you talked about it last week. There's one film where they're going to have completely different X Men, aren't they? Yes, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are going to be two completely different people. Yeah, in two separate films, which is brilliant. Right. Well, not brilliant, but we'll see how it works out. But yeah, so I've left you with that teaser. My review will be coming up after a few more news stories from Sean. Okay. One of the stories come out, especially with the fact that uh, he's pretty much done with Mission Impossible for the time being. Tom Cruise has been confirmed as Van Helsing. Writers Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi have just signed on to a two-year deal with Universal Pictures and will kick off their new partnership with reimaginings of Van Helsing and, Tom- and The Mummy. According to the press release, Tom Cruise is attached to star in the produce, keyword and produce, the Van Helsing picture. For The Mummy, Kurtz and Orsi will be working alongside producer Sean Daniel and Prometheus writer John Spates. Was there something you wanted to add on to that story, Ashley? I think you spoke about this earlier. Yeah, I'm not sure about Van Helsing because I thought Hugh Jackman did a good enough job as it was. The Mummy, I don't know why we need that being rebooted. Because they want to reboot it? Yeah, it, it just seems to be a trend of, you know, oh, it's a film, let's remake it. Haven't we already remade it? Yes, but we remake a remake. Oh, well. Uh, next is that there will be a live-action Halo web series coming up. Uh, the web show is to be airing the weeks preceding Halo 4's November launch. Variety was reporting that live-action Halo web series will debut in the weeks before this fall's November 6th release date of Halo 4. The web series will be titled Halo 4, Forward Unto Dawn. represents the largest monetary investment that Microsoft has ever put behind a live-action project with details about the plot, cast, and director to be announced this summer at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, the purpose of the web series is to, as McClowski, director of franchise business management at 343 Industries, told Variety, make Halo accessible for people who haven't played the games. We wanted to do something unique from a, a narrative standpoint that's big and scale. Uh, we'll definitely have to see what's coming up. The web series will be available for viewing at Machinima and the online community Halo Waypoint. I'm kind of interested in that. It seems very interesting. Mm, no doubt the fanboys will probably think it's Peter Jackson directing, you know. But we'll see. It certainly has potential. Skyfall is set to come out pretty soon, but there's something else that's kind of making its way. Sony makes the official announcement of James Bond 24 coming in 2014 at CinemaCon. Sony reportedly announced today at CinemaCon that even though Skyfall doesn't open until November, they are moving forward right away on the tentatively titled Bond 24. The studio has slated the film for a holiday 2014 release, a mere two-year gap between Bond films. There were four years between Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. Big thing is, and this is pretty much the one thing that's going to make or break the film, MI6 points out that Bond 24 is also Daniel Craig's 
first optional film from his original contact, which, like recent actors before him, was three films and the first refusal at a fourth. Could we see Daniel Craig refuse the film? Will they have to pull in somebody new as James Bond? Time will tell because we'll definitely be hearing more about this story as it unfolds. But that's all my news stories for the time being. Uh, we definitely got something big to talk about after a review, so actually go at it. Yeah, we'll jump into it. Avengers Assemble, no. That is the title over here, but the only reason it isn't called The Avengers is because there was a TV series over here called The Avengers, which has got nothing to do with superheroes. So, screw it, I'm calling it The Avengers. It's proper title. Sean is probably smiling at that. But anyway, yes, it's the ultimate superbook hero smorgasbord. I've always wanted to use that word on one of these shows. Yeah, we've got Hulk pop in there. We've got Thor. We've got Iron Man. We've got Hawkeye. We've got Black Widow. It's genius. And we've got Samuel L. Jackson back. And we've got a little clip here with him talking to the main antagonist of the film, Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston. It's an impressive cage. Not built, I think, for me. Built for something a lot stronger than you. Oh, I've heard. A mindless beast. Makes play he's still a man. How desperate are you? You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill cause it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. Ooh. It burns you to have come so close. To have the Tesseract, to have power, unlimited power. And for what? A warm light for all mankind to share. And then to be reminded what real power is. Well, let me know if real power wants a magazine or something. Which kind of sets the tone for most of the movie. There is a sinister kind of doom hanging over this, which... I think suffices well enough, mainly through the direction and the writing of Jess Weldon. Jess Weldon. I never get his name right. I think, it, I think is it? Sean, help me out here. Joss Whedon? Joss Whedon. There we go. I never get it right. But Joss Whedon, the care he takes with the script is brilliant because there is humor in there. Not to give it away, but there is a great little nod to a very, very classic game. There's also comic book references. There is a very weird Lord of the Rings reference. See if you can spot it. But overall, the set pieces are good. The acting from all of them is good. But I especially want to highlight Mark Ruffalo as Hulk because I think he's the best Hulk that I've seen. You know, Banner was okay. Norton was good considering he was a last-minute replacement. And Ruffalo, you know, people were thinking, why are we changing Hulk over again when this Avengers got announced? I think it was Comic-Con 2009 or 2010, but 
this I think is a brilliant move. Ruffalo is the star of the show, certainly on the hero side, even though you know Samuel L. was in it for a bit and has his typical Samuel L. Jackson bits, including the shouting. But the best, I'd say, probably is Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Because considering he's the only real baddie of the piece, he does very well with carrying the burden of being the centre of the attention. Because I'd say he's in the majority of the scenes, which is good to see because he's a young, up-and-coming actor. All I'll say about the rest of them, Scarlett Johansson is good. She gets her bit in the spotlight as Black Widow. Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye is really good as well. You know, they could do a spin-off movie with him, but kind of find it hard to see because arguably his skills are limited compared to some of the other heroes. It sounds harsh, but there's only so much you can do with bows and arrows, really. You know, Black Widow's got more of a chance, but anyway, Downey Jr. as Iron Man is typically great. Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Captain America, good. The bit parts as well, very good. Stan Lee's cameo, I was thinking for most of the movie, when is the cameo? And then all of a sudden it does come. And the after credit scene, it teases something, which you can probably guess what that something is, but I'm not saying it. Sean might say it, but he probably won't. Given that Sean hasn't seen it yet, I probably can't. Okay. I was going to say the clues in your name, but there you go. Yeah, sensational. But overall, it's a must-see. Considering this is the start of the summer blockbuster thing, I doubt there'll be many films that will top it, to be quite honest. Uh, Looking at some some of them, some of them have potential, and others I'm just thinking, no. But we'll get to that in a minute. But overall, I give it a 9 out of 10. Great script, great acting, more please. So... Right. So, I mean, we'll definitely have to see what comes of that. So, I mean, we're definitely going to jump into the summer 2012 preview right now, courtesy of IGN. If you get a chance, go check it out. It's got a, a nice list on here. I mean, the first film we just talked about, of course, is Marvel's The Avengers, which as of this recording, it is 1.30 a.m. So the film has been is in theaters, it is currently on its midnight showing. So, I mean, it's doing pretty good, I guess. Happy uh, Star Wars Day. Uh, yeah, that's right. May the Force be with us. Walkie, Mind Wipe, if you're listening, may the fourth be with you, my brothers. Yeah. JJ, same, same with you, brother. Yeah. May 11th, we have Dark Shadows, which is uh, Johnny Depp's next film. So, I mean, it's it's looking a very interesting movie. Seth Graham Smith doing the script as well, which, you know, he's the same guy that did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. May 16th, we have The Dictator. Uh, by the way, all these release dates are the United States release dates. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you majority want majority uh, of these are for the UK as well, but I'll try and jump in where I can as to where they differ. Right, Dictator May sixteenth, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's next film. Of which the intro is already online. The intro is already online for that actually. Well, the reason why it is is because a lot of people think it's going to be a documentary, and it's not going to. So yeah. they want to basically let them know, hey, it's not a documentary. I'll see it's when a it comedy. comes. Uh, May 18th uh, is Battleship. Already came out in the UK. Uh-huh. So I'll see it when it comes out. DVD probably. Uh, May 25th, 
Men in Black 3, which is looking very good. Uh, we'll definitely be seeing that, probably. Uh, May 25th, I'm kind of curious about this movie. It's definitely a different style of a movie. It's called Chernobyl Diaries. Oh, yes. By the creators of Paranormal Activity. So, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm very curious about it. I would say paranormal activity in a Russian accent because that's what I think it's going to be. But you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. June first, we have Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, I'm skipping that movie all together. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I'm liking the fact that it's got you know a load of British actors like Ian McShane and Eddie Izzard and all that in the supporting cast, the fact it's got Kristen Stewart looking like Bella from Twilight. You know, despite Charlie's looking hot and Chris Hemsworth as the Huntsman, I'm just thinking, this is like Twilight and the Seven Dwarfs. No. I will see that one. It's the next movie that I'm going to mention I will not see. <laughs> I'm wondering what that is. Uh, Piranha 3 DD. <laughs> yeah. Will not be seeing that. So I'm <laughs> skipping that one. Um, June 8th, I will be seeing this movie at some time. Prometheus. Yes, which is coming out the same week as Snow White and the Huntsman and Piranha over here in the UK, June 1st. UK uh, gets week early on that. Piranha actually it comes out May 11th. I don't know if it's coming out in the UK slightly earlier, probably because it's not going to be good. Well, of course it isn't. It's got Hasselhoff in it, but certainly Prometheus coming out June 1st. Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, comes out June 8th in the U.S. It doesn't come out, I think, until October for the U.K. (laughs) October 19th for the U.K. Yeah, this is uh, brilliant. It's like with the Lorax. When did that come out for you? I think it was about February, March? Yeah, a couple couple months ago. We don't get it till August. Sucks for y'all. Why is it for all the kids' films that are possibly good we have to wait five months yet the really good films like avengers and prometheus and skyfall we always get early i don't know skip that movies i'll bring it up um He's june 15th of ages. june 15th rock of ages uh tom, <laughs> tom cruise's next film i'll see it when it comes out on dvd june 15th also releasing that's my boy which is adam sandler's next film Oh, it's dear. also including Andy Samberg as his son. That's going to be a very interesting film. I'll wait till it comes out the DVD. <laughs> yeah, correct. Next movie I'm very curious about. It's Pixar's next film. It's called Brave. Ah, uh, yes. Very interested in this film. I'll definitely probably see this when it comes out. But I mean, I will be seeing this no matter what. Another one that doesn't come out for I don't know. If it's August, September, 17th. October. But it's certainly coming out sometime to to cope when the kids are on holiday or something from school. Uh, August 17th. Okay, so we're getting it just before the holiday. Or after the Olympics, because everybody will be glued to the Olympics. <sighs> June 22nd, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Yay! <laughs> I'll be seeing that one. I, I mean, I want, I got to. That looks alright. That looks, that looks interesting. That same day, we've also got Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which is the new Steve Car- Carroll movie. Or Steve, yeah, Steve Carroll movie, but Kieran Knightley's in it as well, apparently. You know, it's really Kieran Knightley in a comedy. 
Yeah, I was looking at that and I was kind of wondering if I should skip that one or not. So because I just don't really yeah. care. Be interesting to see how Kira Knightley does with a comedy because arguably the closest she's done to comedy is either Love Actually or Pirates of the Caribbean, which is pushing it. June 29th, we have The Rocks film and Bruce Willis, G.I. Joe Retaliation. I'll be seeing that one. July 3rd, the day before the United States Independence, The Amazing Spider-Man, which looks very interesting. Yeah. I'll probably see this one in theaters as I don't see many films that often. Yeah, that will certainly be a very interesting one with the cast. You know, Martin Sheen in it as well, and Dennis Leary seems... That's a good little cast, considering there was a lot of criticism about it because everybody thought the San Raimi films were good enough. So, we'll see how the... Technically, he is British, even though he I think he was born in America. We'll see how Andrew Garfield does with the suit, which should be interesting. Well, it's the amazing Spider-Man. It's not the what. It's it's a whole different storyline style than what Sam Raimi did with his. This is yeah, but he still wears a suit. That's what I'm saying. Well, no, no, it's it's not that. Everyone is comparing it to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, and it's the fact that it's not the same. That covered its own. It covered the 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 basic Spider-Man series. This covers the Amazing Spider-Man series, which yeah, basically Gwen Stacy is the main interest for the love. I mean, this is what I'm going to be more so looking forward to is I don't have to look at the redhead the entire time. I can look at the blonde now. I'm going to enjoy looking at the blonde. Emma Stone (laughs) as Gwen Stacy, she's absolutely gorgeous. So bring it on. I'm ready to see this. No, but what I meant was the fact that they're obviously going to make comparisons to Tobey Maguire because it's Peter Parker. They won't get around the fact that it's a completely different thing. And you've also got that sense of, does Garfield fit? Because I've seen some superhero movies where they put a lot of... I mean, look at, what's his name, Brandon Ralph, was it? When he was Superman? Which was supposed to do a whole new set of movies. After one film, they killed it. I mean, it's kind of curious to see where they'll go. July 13th, we get Ice Age Continental Drift, which actually comes out in the UK the same day. Yeah, I I don't know, to be quite honest. It's Ice Age. I'll see it. Also, July 13th, we get Ted, which is Seth MacFarlane's first real movie. Uh, He does play a voice, but it's still the fact he's in a movie. Yeah, well, he does play a Ted. A teddy bear, yes. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that goes. The next film is the one that will compete with Avengers. This is the one that will probably destroy box office records and probably run rampant over the Avengers. And that is The Dark Knight Rises. This is the final film for Christopher Nolan, the final film for Christian Bale, the final film for Morgan Freeman and Gary Oldman and possibly Michael Caine in this Batman series. And possibly any characters that get killed off in the third one. I am fully wish and I, I wanted to have Two-Face reappear, but it's looking like we won't get him. So we'll have to see what happens, but uh, this is the one movie that I will, I fully <coughs> believe, will dethrone the Avengers as the biggest film of 2012. 
Yeah, I think it will. It's certainly going to be closest to make a billion at the box office. Next movie comes out the week after July twenty seventh. Neighborhood Watch. Jonah Hill, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn. As a group of four dads who set out to form a neighborhood watch group, this seemingly noble endeavor goes haywire when the quartet are forced to defend the entire planet from an alien invasion. What? The thing I'm pleased about is uh, the fourth dad, which is uh, Richard Ayoade. I think that's how it's pronounced from the uh, hit British TV show, The IT Crowd. I think the reason why this has come up is because Ben Stiller produced Richard's debut feature film that he did called Submarine, which is a good little film if you can see it wherever you can. Nice little gentle comedy. And I think to kind of pay back for that, he gets to appear in this film, which the Americans don't know much about him. And if he does it well, I think he could have a career in Hollywood because I think he's a great talent, one one to watch. Uh, next movie is one I'm curious to see how they'll do since it doesn't have the main face behind it. Yeah. Uh, August 3rd, The Bourne Legacy. It has a new CIA operative, Jeremy Renner, fresh off the stand as Hawkeye in The Avengers. So, I mean, it's going to be definitely interesting to see how they go about this without Matt Damon behind Jason Bourne. Yeah. Certainly... No, certainly it's also, you know, because obviously they'll obviously try and reference it because they can't not mention it because obviously it's going to be something to do with what Bourne has done, which will reflect in the new ones. And apparently, by the looks of it, Edward Norton's going to be the baddie in it, which is good. We've also got the two, well, the three main people from the last one, Bourne Ultimate and returning, David Strathairn, Joan Allen, and Albert Finney coming back. So, yeah. The fact as well that it's the first Bourne one to be not based off a, a Robert Ludlum novel, but based off the guy that's basically followed them on and still doing to this day, Eric Van Lusbader. Yeah. This will be interesting, I will say that. Next film, also the same day, is Total Recall, the remake. I never saw the first one. I'm trying to get my hands on it, so I'll definitely be watching it. Colin Farrell replaces Arnold Schwarzenegger as the lead role, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, August 10th will be The Campaign, which is Will Farrell's next movie, along with Zach Galvanafagos. I just finally read the whole thing for this, and I'm not happy at all. Well, it is a Jay Roach movie. This is the same guy that brought you Austin Powers, so don't expect anything revolutionary. No, it's the fact of where they're both uh, supposed to be from in the movie. North Carolina. <laughs> I am oh, not, dear. I'm not looking forward to seeing this movie at all. Next movie, August 17th, The Expendables 2. Let's just think about this for a second. Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li... Dolph Lundgren, Liam Hemsworth, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the biggest name of them all, Chuck freaking Norris, all in this one film. And Randy Couture as well, returning. Hey, UFC UFC legend. He may be a UFC legend, but the fact that 
all the other names I've mentioned before are some of the biggest action names ever to stand forward. The world yeah. is going to implode on this day because of all of that. Is that why they're releasing the Whitney Houston film the same day? Are they really? Yeah, apparently Sparkle, the fi- the last film that she's appeared in and she's produced on, is coming out that day as well. I was about to make a horrible joke, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't. Dear Lord, don't. Uh, the same day, along with whatever that trashy film was, um, <laughs> Paranorman, which I have no clue. Apparently, it stars... It's an animation, I know that. Yeah, it's some kind of animation film. Casey Affleck, Christopher Mintz-Plass, John Goodman, which I'm a huge fan of his, Cody McPhee. It'll be interesting. I'll have to let you know more about it later on. Uh, August 24th is The Apparition, which is set to be a home invasion movie where the intruder is not a threatening psychopath, but a supernatural presence. Woken by a parapsychology experiment gone terribly wrong. Oh, God. Um, the funny thing about this is, and this is kind of hilarious to me, Ashley Green, who plays Alice Cullen in Twilight, Sebastian Stan, Bucky in Captain America, and Tom Felton, who played Draco Malfoy. Three of the, pretty much, the sidekicks of major films is in this one movie. Will they be the leading cast like they want to be, or will they be the sidekicks that they are? That's what I'm curious about. Mm. It's hard to tell because obviously the most recent thing I've seen Tom Felton in was when he was one of the side protagonist characters in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So hopefully he can get out of that or otherwise side character. Whoever gets killed off first out of those three, if they do, is going to be referred to as the side character because they didn't make it to the end. Well, if you remember, Woman in Black did big wonders, major wonders for Daniel Radcliffe. So yeah. that's a, as a paranormal film, so maybe it works out for Tom Felton. Then again, he was also doing well in the West End when he did, um, well, West End and it went to Broadway when he did the play Equus. That got him a lot of critical acclaim. But he also appeared naked in it, so... Well, that's, that's the only worrying thing, yeah, but certainly... Well, with a film like that, where he's in it, okay, he's in it naked, but he's in it predominantly, as he is in Woman in Black, I think he's proven that, yes, he can act. Except, according to some of the reports, he was some of the scenes in Woman in Black, he was blind drunk when he was doing them. <laughs> yeah. So many paranormal films, I'm skipping a lot of these. Next movie, August 24th, same day as The Apparition. Premium Rush, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's next film, doesn't look particularly, it looks like a drama, particularly not that good. I mean, I'm going to go through these, I mean, this next couple of films are not going to be major blockbuster films. I mean, 7500, August 31st, The Possession, August 31st, uh, Lawless, August 31st. Lawless has a chance, because it's from John Hillcoat, who did the Proposition, which is a good little film, and the fact it's got Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hardy in it as well. So I mean, it's and it's, Gary Oldman, so and Guy Pearce. Yeah, it has a chance, but we'll have to see. I mean, so many paranormal films coming out. 
during the summer. So we'll have to see how that goes. Out of that entire list, you've already seen the Avengers. You've already seen Battleship. What are you looking forward to the most other than Dark Knight Rises? You swerved me, people. God damn it. To be honest, Born Legacy. I want to see whether... Well, I know Tony Gilroy can do good films, but I want to see if they can really get the baton right off Damon and Greengrass. Because the the Born Supremacy and the Born Ultimatum were two brilliant movies that complemented each other well. How this one will fare, be interesting to see. Uh, for me, it's actually a tie between three films. I mean, I'll straight up say it. The Amazing Spider-Man, G.I. Joe Retaliation, and Abraham Lincoln the Vampire Hunter. Three films that are looking to be great movies to watch between the Avengers and between Dark Knight Rises. I mean, these yeah. are looking like great movies that's just going to come out. And I mean, Prometheus. I mean, come on. that's Everybody's going to see that no matter what. Yeah. And Total Recall also intrigues me. Because by the looks of the story, from what I can see from the trailer that I've seen for it, it doesn't look entirely the same as the original film. Once I sit down and watch the original film, I'll possibly give the, the reboot of uh, the remake a chance. But until then, yeah, don't. Yeah, not just fully watch, watch the original. You'll like that more, probably. So, any other news stories you want to throw in before we uh, tie this up? So I can go no. to bed? Well, not really. I'm just looking at some of the ones for September, which arguably is the end, and then it moves into the kind of Thanksgiving, Halloween kind of big move. I'm just looking. You've got the 3D re-release of Finding Nemo, which will probably do well. The new Resident Evil film. The Judge Dread, Dread, whatever you want to call it. Well, it's been called Dread, so apparently they don't like the word judge. That certainly looks... Interesting, and then another Adam Sandler film, Hotel Transylvania, and Looper, the futuristic uh, film with Bruce Willis and Gordon Levitt and Emily Blunt, which, and Jeff Daniels. You've got to love Jeff Daniels. So, I guess that ends this entire show. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Ashley, for joining me once again for another episode of uh, the Open Book. Thank you, Brassi, to uh, for producing. And um, tonight, well, today we leave you with a special song of the night, whatever you want to call it. It's actually, I've been on a techno kick recently, and one singer has caught my eye, uh, Nero. Uh, she does a song called Promises. But there's a remix that has caught my eye even more. It's Nero Skrillex, the remix for Promises. Um, you guys enjoy, and final words, Ashley? Well, just make sure you check all the other great shows here on the network. Wrestling News Live every Monday with Trey and JJ. Wednesday, the Pro Wrestling Rewind with the Power Andy Knowles and the Bronx Father, Tony Marabella. Friday, Unplugged with Charles Shane and JJ. And the podcast, we've got Beyond the Bell with Sean Beckerman. Why with Nem? We'll see if that happens. Elite Force podcast with Chuck W for the midweek and Mindwipe and Walkie for the weekend shows. Running the Ropes with Maverick and Crelly and us, I guess. I think that I think I've covered everybody. Yay. 
If not, Brassa, I'll let us know, and we'll have to record this entire segment all over again. <laughs> <sighs> yes, yes, that sounds about right. Okay, so I just completely blanked at what I was going to say. I completely apologize on that, but I'll leave it with what I used to say, peace, love, hatred. Now leave me alone so I can go to bed. Peace. You got me so wild. How can I ever deny you?